0: Hello. Before you start this episode of The Game Changers, I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our new documentary, Abby Ward, A Bump in the Road, which explores the challenges faced by professional female athletes and all working mothers. It follows the remarkable journey of an England rugby player as she battles back to the professional game just 17 weeks after the birth of her baby and then on to secure her place in England's Six Nations squad for 2024. The documentary is free to watch in the UK on ITVX or globally on Rugby Pass TV. And don't forget that our other documentary, Game On! The Unstoppable Rise of Women's Sport, is still available to watch on Netflix in the UK. Now it's time for the Game Changers. welcome to a special 50th episode of the Game Changers podcast, sponsored by Barclays. I'm your host, Sue Anstis, and I'm switching things up a bit with this interview, and rather than talking to a trailblazing woman in sport, my guest today is a high-profile male ally. Ian Wright is a legend of British football. He played 581 league games, scoring 387 goals for seven clubs in England and Scotland, earning 33 caps for the English national team. Ian received an MBE in 2000 before being inducted into the English Football Hall of Fame in 2005. An ambassador for Barclays, Ian continues to ignite the passion of football fans around the world through his authentic and engaging punditry for the Premier League, BBC and ITV. And in recent years, he's become a very vocal ally for the women's game. I began our conversation by asking Ian about his memories of playing football in the park with his friends growing up. Were there any girls playing with him at the time?
1: No, there wasn't. And, and the girls that did play, they, it, was more, it was more a case that we were just, you know, passing around them and they were just messing around. It wasn't very, it wasn't very serious um, at that time because there wasn't anything there for them. Even when we were at school, there wasn't nothing there for the girls to want to play football. Um, but then as I got older... In fact, when I signed for Crystal Palace, it would have been probably 1985 um, is where I really started to get involved with women's games because I was at the time I was seeing a, a really nice young lady whose sister name was her name was Brenda Sempari, and she used to play for Fulham. So I knew I used to watch her and Hope Powell and Marianne Spacey. So then I started to to to, to find out more about it.
0: And it was that the first time, do you think? Were you aware before then of women playing at all as you were growing up?
1: up? Not really. No, not at that time because um, especially it was a time where I was just so focused on just playing myself. You take it for granted that, yes, we can play. And even when we was younger, there weren't many girls who played and had the opportunity to play where you could see if they were any good anyway. Not like you can see the girls now. You can see, oh, look, yeah, I can can watch an eight-year-old girl play now. And we're talking about that's when I started playing football, and you can see that. Yeah, she's got some. She can play. She's got some skills. But when we were younger, the girls weren't even playing.
0: And you talked about that that progression through at Crystal Palace, but you must have seen some incredible female players. When you were at Arsenal, where the club was a real trailblazer in terms yeah. of his team with you know Kelly and Rachel Yankee and stuff. Yeah. How much did that shape your your thoughts on on women's football?
1: Well, that's when it really kicked in. When I went to when I went to Arsenal, David Dean is a massive advocate for the women's game and a massive ally. Vic Ackers was the manager at the time. Um, so it was all around us. And like you mentioned there, you mentioned Kelly Smith, you Alex Scott was there as well. It was something that we saw a lot more of in and around us especially when we went to the ground because they used to train at the ground and then I got more involved on the media side in the in, in the Euros and that was really good to watch it's funny because that's where I first saw Vivian meet him properly um, so you know I mean that was interesting and then I started to really get to grips with it because you're seeing real quality football real good stuff and plus you know my girls my girls have started to look at it and watch it so you just kind of feel like yeah you want to know more and make sure that doors can be opened, what needs to be opened if they do want to go down that road.
0: And why do you think Arsenal were so ahead of their time? Was it David Dean? Do you think it, it, it takes the owner, the chairman, someone to commit to it to get a team really behind the women's game?
1: Absolutely, yeah. David Dean was very much for that and he's probably like, the way he thinks about it is the same way I think about it really. It's just people should have the opportunity to play if they want to play. But then you do need great allies to the women's game like Vic Ackers who... You know he used to do all the work he used to do for us during the day and then you know what i mean he'd go again for the evening do the ladies stuff do the women's kit do all the stuff that you have to do to help the game to grow and so you know when you look back at what they done at that time we're talking about like 1990-91 they were doing unbelievable things so you know yeah and those are the kind of people that should be lauded for what they did they should be
0: absolutely And and has having daughters changed your views on equality in sport and more widely in society,
1: really. I think that um, it's not just having daughters, you know, that does help. You do want to know that if somebody wants to do something, whether you've got daughters or not, you know, they get the opportunity to do it. But it does, of course you do, because like if my daughters want to do it, then I want to make sure that they have the easiest possibility of making sure that there's things in place, infrastructure in place, that they can do it. It's not just, oh... You know, Ian writes your dad and he knows him and he knows that. You want to know that there's something there for everybody to be able to, to, to have the opportunity to play.
0: And are they playing football?
1: No, they'll mess about with it. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll kick it around and just mess around and they'll play for a little bit. But like, um, that's the way it goes. It's funny because when, when my boys were younger, they'd done the same. They show the same interest. If the ball's there, they kick it about and they kick it about a bit. But then they go and do their stuff. So, at some stage, if it grips, they'll get the bug, and then it goes from there. But I'd never force it on them. I wouldn't force it on my boys. So I wouldn't force it on my girls neither.
0: And your passion for women's game is so clear to see. What is it that you that you love about it? It's very, it's very authentic, very genuine.
1: Being deprived of being able to play simply because the powers that be have not got the the right infrastructure involved for people to be able to have the opportunity to play. You know what I mean? Not only do I love it just because it's football, but I do love the fact that people need an opportunity to be able to to play if they want. And so if you've got the platform and you've got the profile and you can help, then that's going to help the women's game. And this, this is why I will do it. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to champion anything in, in any, in any like deep, how can I say? Um, okay, like yeah. yeah you, you understand what I'm saying? I just want, if people want to play, they should be able to play. And because I love football as much as I do love football, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it whether women are playing it, men are playing it, kids, whoever, I want to see them playing it. So it's, I'm, I'm really, it's my love for football and the fact that there might be a section of people that are stopped from maybe getting to the levels that they want to get to, like playing football is why I want to do it. Like when you hear someone like Kelly Smith's story, then you, you start to think, oh my God, you so take it for granted what women have to do and young girls have to do to try and play football back in the day that um, you think to yourself, that should never happen again. It shouldn't happen.
0: And are there any aspects of the women's game that you prefer to the men's game?
1: No, because I think it's, um, it's the same. I think people do like to speak a lot about the fact that, oh, the women play differently because of the passion. And it's not, it's not about money and it's, they don't do this, they don't do that. But no, it's, 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 I, loved, I loved football because it's football. And I love the fact that the the ladies play and they're playing with just as much passion and just as much v- verve and vigor as the, as the men do. Uh, but I think that when you talk about the women's game and people talk about, yeah, they don't dive and they, they get straight up and all that, that that's, that's brilliant to see. But as the stakes get higher, which we're hoping that they will do, and we start getting to a situation where you're playing at an even higher level and there's more at stake and there's more on the line we'll start to see things that we normally see. If you feel that you can get a penalty if you're a man or a woman and you're going through and the Champions League's at stake or a semi-final place in the World Cup's at stake and you know that if you're touched at this point, you might get a penalty. Man, woman, child, anybody at the moment we will see. They'll probably go down. So the, the question you asked is what I love about the, the women's game is just the fact that they, they do exactly the same as what men do. I see great skill in the women's game. I see great skill in the men's game. And I love them both in equal measure. It's just obviously I've been watching men's football for a long, long time, a l- much longer time.
0: Uh, you were out in France in 2019 for the FIFA World Cup. So, what was that experience like for you? Oh, it
1: was fantastic because what I do love about um, the women's game, which yeah, which which I should have said just now to be honest, is is the ambience of the fans.
0: Yeah, it's a
1: whole different vibe to the way the fans spectate and what they do. It's 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 much better. It's much more friendly. It feels lovely, and it's the kind of atmosphere where. You you can bring your your daughters too and you you don't hear the kind of things what you hear at a man's game. It's like when I went to watch England and my girls, I took my girls to their first game, the Lionesses against Australia. It was a magnificent atmosphere. And the same when I went to watch Chelsea and Tottenham at Stamford Bridge. Unbelievable ambience going into the stadium. It was just brilliant to be amongst. And that's one of the things that obviously the men's game will never have because the tribal support from the women's game is much better in it's light years away from how the men's are but we're way too far gone the men's game to be like that but it is refreshing to go to a game where you feel safe you feel like you're in a nice sporting atmosphere and environment and you can actually enjoy the game
0: and, and how did the lionesses themselves respond to your support i've seen some lovely videos of you yeah than before games,
1: etc. You know what's nice about the lionesses and the women footballers in general is that they're appreciative of any kind of support that they get from the men's game. Simply because you know, you know, it, they, there is a lot of negativity about it because for some reason men feel that they own football and football is just for men. So you know, you see some of the negative comments that you get when you put anything up to do with the ladies' game and what the men say about it and stuff like that in respects of the the game itself and how I see it, it's just, it's just the football. That's what it really comes down to. It's just the football. And that's why when you see those things as sad as it is, you just have to just, you know, you just have to kind of ignore it and carry on. I know what it's like when people are uh, being negative towards you just because they can, and it's quite sad, but the women's game is going to blast through all that.
0: And what impact do you think home Euros could have for uh, the women's game in Britain?
1: Well, the thing about it is, is that when you have a home Euros, whether it's men's or women's, it's it's going to be an amazing impact because what you're going to get and because of the amount of awareness now being brought to the the, the Barclays WSL and stuff like that, what you're getting now is more and more young ladies and girls who want to play the game. So if you can then get a a tournament here and then obviously You know, you want the Lionesses to do well, because I think when the Lionesses are playing, the support is so brilliant. You know, they've done so well in tournaments in recent years that it will be like the wave of optimism and everything would only, it will only invigorate the youngsters. It will only invigorate them.
0: And how important do you think support from big brands like Barclays is for for women's football? And do you think other sponsors will will follow suit?
1: You hope so, Sue, because like when you look at Barclays, Barclays don't come in. They're not a five minute merchant. You know, you look at the Premier League, they were like 20 years plus in, a, in the Premier League. And when they're coming in with their expertise in the years of sponsoring people, they don't leave people flat. They don't just drop them. So Barclays will probably be there for the long haul. And that's what you need. You need the kind of sponsors, blue chip sponsors that are there for the long haul because the game needs growing. The game needs to be supported and the more the game can be supported, you can get more blue chip companies coming in to, to invest in the game. The better the game's going to be because then all that's going to happen is you're going to get better coaches. You're going to get better standard of players. You're going to get everything's going to be better. The professionalism and everything that comes with support and the monies that can come into the game is only going to grow the game and make the game better.
0: And what difference do you think we'll see now that women's football will be regularly on the BBC?
1: Well, what's good about that is that, you know, back in the day, the only football match you'll probably see would be the women's FA Cup. But now you're seeing with the FA, you can watch literally women's football around the world yeah. on, a, on a regular basis, which is magnificent for the game. And like I say, not too long ago, you wouldn't hardly see any women's games. And now I can watch it every week which is only going to help. The main thing is is to try and get more more women's games on on terrestrial TV at a time where people can see it, not just hide it away on on the app or BBC2 or something like that because what they shouldn't be afraid of is the quality of the game because when you watch um the high end high end teams in the in the in the in the WSL they're very very good. It's not something to be embarrassed about. You know, it's not, it's no more embarrassing than watching a lower end Premier League game where the quality is of poor standard. You know what I mean? You, you watch a good WSL game and you know what I mean? It's very, very entertaining. So what would be nice is at some is if they can slip one into, you know, a time where everybody can see it. So as you can give the girls a real good airing. So as everyone could see them and what they're capable of doing. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Getting in front of people. Yeah. And- how important do you think it is for men to be allies for women across sport? Would you, would you like to see more of the high-profile current and ex-footballers throwing their weight behind the women's game?
1: I think that what will happen with that is, especially as, you know, I'm, like a lot of the high-profile players will have daughters themselves. If, if the game can be grown in a way where it's starting to get to them where they can see it and they can see it readily, and they've got fathers who are footballers, then I'm sure that they will want to be involved. And hopefully that will happen. You, you have to hope that will happen because that's the, one of the things that's going to hopefully help the game to grow. You know, you want to see ex-footballers' daughters playing and playing well to help the game because then it, it shines a light on the game.
0: We've seen such skill and expertise in coaches like Emma Hayes and, and Casey Stoney. Do you think the time is coming when we'll see female coaches and managers of, of men's teams?
1: Absolutely. Why not? I think that I've read something this, this morning about Wimbledon considering Emma Hayes. And you can't tell me that like, coaches like Emma Hayes and, and um, Casey Stoney are not good enough just on their coaching acumen alone, you know, developing players. They're fantastic. And Yes, in the, in the WSL, there's, um, what, five currently have female managers and like seven have male managers. You know, it's still a distance to go. But the fact is, is that there's got to be a pipeline of, of women's coaches available to, to tap into
0: yeah
1: you know when you, you look at mary phillip um, she was part of the um arsenal's quadruple winning team 2006-7 she manages peckham town 11th tier um, she's the most like senior like female coach in, in the men's game and there shouldn't be no reason why it doesn't happen they they, they qualify off for of the same badges it doesn't make no difference about level of football you've played to because you like you look at mourinho Look at Sari. You, you know, look at Vias Boas, who've all managed at a high level. They never played at a high level. So, yes, it should happen. And simply because, you know, it shouldn't make any difference, man or woman. If you've got the right coaching acumen and you can do it and you can motivate, you can improve players, then, you know, it, at some stage it's going to happen. It's going to happen.
0: Would you have been happy to be coached by a woman, do you think?
1: You know something, what i found, the way my attitude is towards football, because it's about the football, you want the best coach you can possibly get. And the thing what footballers do, and the footballers that I, I came up with and what we do is, if your coach is good, that's what you think about. But to ask about if I would have, it's something that it's very hard to look at because I'm now, I'm a 57-year-old man. My outlook on life and the world now has been changed because I've grown up. I've witnessed a lot of things, so I'm a much more mature about certain things now. But like, you know, you asked me when I was like 16, 17, it's something that wouldn't even have been in and around. So all of a sudden, if you've got a woman coach, depending on what she's like, you're probably going to say, a woman's cut, I've got a woman coach. It's going to be different because that, that, that's what it was like back then. You look at it now, I think that the way young men are growing up now and that, if that was to happen and that coach was good enough, they would be fine with that. You know, because at the end of the day, it's no different to getting a black coach or a black manager. If they're good enough, they should get the job. And that's why I think that someone like Emma, Emma Hayes and, and, and Casey Stoney, the way they go about their business, honestly, it's not going to be long before something like that happens because they are elite coaches, the pair of them.
0: Good to hear. We see great work of organisations like Women in Football, who are backed by you know Barclays lobbying against sexism and so on in the game. Were mm. there many women working behind the scenes at any of the clubs that you played for?
1: Yeah, there's loads of women working behind the scenes, but whether or not they had the power to make change was totally different. But there's loads of women working there, and that's what you want. You want women working in football, and it's not just just players, but in football and having a proper role to be played in it. Listen to listen to their ideas, their thoughts, their, what they think of how football should go as well. Not just in the women's game, but in the men's game as well. Like I say, there were always women around, but they didn't do like football stuff, like what the manager does, what the first team coach does. They didn't do that. There wasn't women around doing stuff like that. And that for me has to change. We've got to get into a situation in the dressing room where we're happy with whatever, whatever gender's in there, simply because it's about the team winning. And as long as you follow certain protocols, if women are around and if you're a man, and then it should just be able to just flow. It should just be okay. It should be, should be fine. So hopefully as time goes by, that will start to come in. But like, yeah, back in the day, there wasn't, there wasn't women around that had any kind of real say that's going to make any change, which, which, is, which is changing slowly.
0: We see female football pundits and broadcasters facing Mm. pretty hideous vitriol on social media. I'm picking Alex Scott and more recently with Karen Carney. How does it make you feel when you see that negativity? It's
1: embarrassing. I'm embarrassed by it. Because again, I go back to when I say about men feeling like they own the game. And if we're going to be totally honest, Karen Carney was trying to make a point that she didn't have too much time to make the point, but she's obviously got it in her head. And the way she said it totally totally made sense what she was saying, but it's because it was a woman and because she's, she's dealing with a fan base that are very, they're, they're very tribal. Most fan bases are, but you get certain fan bases that are very protective. So they're not going to look at the the nuances of what she's saying. They're just going to take it as a slant. You know, when you look at it, yeah, they give, they give male pundits as well, a lot of stick, but to see them come in on her like that was very unfair. To see what they say about Alex Scott, it's, it's, it's wrong. You know what I mean? I've, I've been on the end of that, kind of that kind of abuse. It's nasty. It really is nasty and it can have a massive effect on you. And I have to say to all the women who are, who are doing it, you've got to understand how much pressure they're under. I, I, the only way I can equate it to you and try to explain from my point of view is being a black man and there's a racial issue that ash- happens on in, in the world and you're on television and you have to... You have to speak about it. Now, the pressure you're under to say the right thing and make sure that you get it completely right because of the people who are listening are looking to find fault, is exactly the same with what women are going through when they're on the television. When they're on the television, if they say anything, then you start seeing the stereotypical where she should be oh, she's back in the kitchen or she should be, what's she doing here, love? Go and make me a cup. It's horrible to see. And like, it's very easy for me to be able to put myself in, those ladies' shoes simply because, not only because I've had that kind of kind of abuse, but because I've got daughters as well, and I wouldn't like to see it happen to them on mass. Everybody, like it was, the, it was the talk in the, in the match of the day dressing room and everything. What Karen, like what Karen said, what Karen Carney said, and it was horrible to 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 watch. And I do feel for the ladies because they themselves have got no wiggle room when they're on the television. They say anything wrong, Sue, and it's literally, they're being taken to the cleaners. People want them cancelled, and it's unfair.
0: Do you worry it will stop female pundits and commentators for wanting to get involved and do more?
1: No, because I think that the people who are giving out that kind of vitriolic abuse, is, they're cowardly. Uh, I think that, that at some stage, in the way it's going now, with the way people are coming together, it, they will be in the minority. You'll always get them, because that's what social media, again, has to get their house in order in the way we're gonna try and um, identify these people. But no, it, it shouldn't stop them. And I would urge them to continue to do what they're doing because there's not many lady pundits who are on there now, women pundits who are on there now, who have not done their homework when they come on there. There's not many of them that I've listened to and I've thought, oh my God, what is she talking about? You could do that with a lot of the men as well. <laughs> a lot of the men are on there because they're blokes and they've played and they've played to a certain level. Some of the stuff they're talking is absolute rubbish. What I'd find with the women, when the women come on, is that they, they know that they're under amazing pressure because people are looking to find fault with anything they say. So they're very, they're very prepared. Like I was on with, with um, Leanne Sanderson the other day. It was a joy to be on with. I've been on with Alex Scott. You know what I mean? Leanne was a joy. She knows so much. And what I love about the ladies is that if the men were as half as prepared as some of these ladies were, they wouldn't get half the stick. The women are getting stick and they're more prepared than some of the blokes. Yeah. They've made me up my game. When you listen to <laughs> some of them, what they say, they make you have to research more and that's what it's about. So they shouldn't be put off by it because they're doing the work to be on there. They deserve to be on there.
0: Excellent. Uh, and finally, what do you say to those decreasing, but vocal number of fans who derive women's football was in some way lesser than, than men's? What's your message to them?
1: Again, I'd say football is football. And those, the people who have that kind of outlook on it, Uh, When you consider that the women were not allowed to play on FA football pitches up to 1971 or something. Remember, they banned women from playing football. Women used to play football in the early 1900s. They banned women from playing football. So now women are starting from way back. Now, people who talk about women's football and the quality of women's football, they probably don't watch it and they might watch stuff and then they see things that they think like, oh my God, that is so poor. But you could see that in the Premier League. What I would would say to those is is not to take any notice of those people, because like I say, the more we can get the people like the Barclays involved and big companies sponsoring, all that's going to happen is the game is going to continue to grow. And those voices, the voices of those people are continually knocking it because firstly, they feel like I say, they feel they own it. Probably they feel like they may have played football at a certain level, but they were never good enough. And now they're seeing ladies playing and they're professionals and they're jealous of the fact that they're professionals and they will look for any kind of fault in what they're doing. Maybe a misplaced pass, a a chance that's been missed. You know, I've seen women miss chances and I've seen, Premier League players. I saw Raheem Sterling miss an unbelievable chance, just like I've seen ladies miss it. And they, you don't get the stick, Raheem Sterling doesn't get the stick that a woman gets. So those kind of people, you kind of just put them to the side, don't take no notice, because they will fall away as the women's game grows stronger. Their their voices will be will be more muted as the game gets stronger. And that's going to happen and, and I'm going to make sure that I'm there when, when I'm needed, so as then you can continue to push and fight.
0: Thanks again to Ian for sharing his thoughts on women's football. It's wonderful to have someone of his profile backing the women's game with such passion and authenticity. A huge thank you to Barclays for sponsoring this 50th episode and also for supporting the new series of The Game Changers, which launches next week. Few brands have done more for women's sport than Barclays. Their title sponsor are the Women's Super League and they're also backing the FA in the work it does to ensure that every schoolgirl across the country has a chance to play football by 2024. You can listen to the Game Changers podcast everywhere, including Apple, Spotify and Google. Find out more about all 50 of my incredible trailblazing guests at fearlesswomen.co.uk where you can also listen to the previous episodes. Finally, Come and say hello on social media where you'll find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Game Changers or at Sue Anstis. The Game Changers. Fearless women in sport.